you. That's so good. So what are all those people going forward for? They're going to thank God and worship God. I call it the can't help it. They got to get up and come tell the Lord about it. There's no, nothing wrong with that. I wish we'd see that more in our church and our churches. Used to be kind of normal, not so much anymore. But some say, I'd like to do that, just can't. You can. Uh, just got to let yourself, uh, you know, humble yourself before God. And I, I get the blessing. I see people come and I remember where they were. A lot of change. I saw so much change in Mark's life through the years. Everything but that Michigan State thing, and <laughs> we're still praying. So. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Turn your Bibles to the book of Jude, just before the book of Revelation today. Book of Jude. And uh, please don't miss tonight's service. We've got a lot going on tonight. Uh, message, of course, from God's Word. We've got a report from Papua New Guinea. Uh, finally, for Erica, we had trouble with our system, so that'll be tonight. We've got a few graduates tonight from discipleship testimonies. And so don't miss tonight at 6 o'clock if you can be here. Uh, pray for Brother Cal Downing. He went on the men's uh, outing, and some of the boys in Brother Everett's Householder sick, but uh, Brother Cal's flat on his back. He has back issues through the year, years, and he slept in one of those wooden uh, beds there in that uh, in that cabin, and he's down and out. And Lisa went to help her daughter who had surgery in another state. So Lori, his daughter, who goes to our church, is home helping Dad because he can't get up. She's got to take things to him because he just cannot get up at all. He gets this way. It's been a while. But uh, for several days, he's down. So pray for him. Pray for all those other men that were in that dorm that they might not come down with the same problem because they were all the old fellas. And that was happening to old guys when they're in a, in a cabin with wood bunks, right? Brother Jurger, you doing all right? Brother Jurger, you doing all right? Your back's good? Okay, all right. <laughs> Who else was in that cabin? They had the little boy's cabin. They had the snoring cabin. And all the snorers. Any other? You guys doing all right? You're making it? Okay, good. It was a good time. Aaron did a great job leading that. And a sweet time. I, I enjoyed watching all those little boys run around those fields and just play. It was raining and mama wasn't there and they were having the time of their life. And uh, dirty. Uh, I think it was, uh, who was it? was it? It was Corey? No? I'm trying to think. One of the little boys, um, Cody, it was Cody. Cody, uh, he, he had a hot dog and, in this little styrofoam plate, and it rolled off of that plate. And he was sitting at a picnic table all by himself. He was crying. And I went up to Cody. How's Cody? About four years old, something like that. He's crying, big old tears, and he's upset. And I said, Cody, what's wrong? He said, I dropped my hot dog. And I said, well, it'll be all right. And I said, did it hit the ground? He said, no. And I was trying to console him, so I kind of wiped it off for him, put it back on there. I said, it's still good. And he said, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> and I came the next morning, the boys all came to me. And one of the men, I think it was Dave, he took him out looking for uh, uh, Bigfoot in, in, in the woods. And those little boys came up to me. He said, Pastor Brown, 
We, we hunted for Bigfoot last night. We heard him. He was whistling over here. Another boy said, he was growling over there. And boy, they, they are all following me around telling me about Bigfoot. So it was great. But sweet time, good time. Thank you, men. That, that kind of kicked off our men's meetings. Every first Saturday, generally, of the month, we have a men's get-together. Make those good meal and good fellowship. We always have a, a message, so don't miss those. All right, Book of Jude. And we only have one chapter here, but we'll look at verse 14 and 15. Uh, Jude, verse 14 and 15, we'll get going here. And Enoch also, the seventh from, from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment, notice that, upon all and to convince all that are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see what God thinks about this, don't you? He uses the word ungodly four times in that one little verse there to describe man's heart toward him. I want to preach this thought today. The preachers that only had one sermon. But I want to say this, this is a good one. The kind of uh, young preachers get into the ministry and uh, they have a hard time. I did. Get, getting your first sermon together and then sermons afterward. I remember Jason Kendrick was an evangelist in our church, a young evangelist, and he'd come to me and say, Preacher, how do you come up with your sermons every week? And he'd be up there studying and struggling, and, and he got himself two sermons and three sermons. And we'd tease him and say, you got seven, now you can do a revival. Seven sermons, and just don't preach in the same church next year, you'll be in trouble, you know, that kind of thing. But here's a preacher, the preacher only had one sermon that he preached, but boy, did God use that sermon. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Enoch, the man of God. And Lord, I pray you use his testimony this morning as I preach to speak to hearts. I pray, dear Holy Ghost, that you'd help me in my delivery, in my preaching, my memory. And I pray, Lord, that you'd rest all of our hearts for just a little time this morning. Please be in all the other services going on, the Deaf Church and, of course, Junior Church, and all the workers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The preacher that only had one sermon. Now, Enoch is mentioned here in the scripture. He was the son of Jared, according to Genesis chapter 5. He was the father of Methuselah, the oldest man uh, on the earth. He was the great-grandfather of a man named Noah. I'm sure you've heard of him and his ark. And uh, when he was 65 years old, the Bible said he begat Methuselah. He begat his son Methuselah. And the Bible goes on and say that he lived 300 more years, according to scripture, he lived 365 years, and then he was taken away. He didn't die. He was taken away by God, which is a type and a picture of the rapture, the catching away of the saints that's yet to come uh, to the believer today. A very interesting man was this Enoch. The Bible says in Genesis chapter four, 5 and verse 4 that Enoch walked with God. What a testimony. Uh, if, if you have something said about you, uh, in the word of God, that'd be a pretty good thing to be said about you, that you walked with God. Uh, there was a wickedness in the land before the flood. Obviously, we read that in the Bible. Men did not, they did not honor God. They did not worship God. Most men didn't walk, uh, walk with God, let alone walk faithfully with God. Uh, they walked their own path. They, they walked the path of sin 
And it's the same thing today. Uh, mankind does not generally acknowledge God in their life. They're, they're okay with a little bit of church. They're okay with a little bit of this and that. But they really don't want a personal walk with God. Enoch had a personal walk with God. Enoch walked with God every day. And then again, something interesting I mentioned from Scripture. It says here in chapter 5 and verse 24 that he, he never experienced death. Now, it is, it is part of humanity that we all will experience death except for the coming rapture. That, the Bible calls it the hope of the believer. That we might leave this, this life uh, through Christ coming to get us, right? Rather than facing death. Well, here's a man that never died. Uh, a physical death here on the earth. The Bible says in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 5, and it uh, says in verse 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Took him. Uh, the word for translation in the Bible means to be removed, to pluck away, to seize away, uh, to snatch up. We use the word rapture. That's, not, that's a Latin word. That's not found in our Bible. But the word caught up is. Or caught is. It means to take away in an instant. And that's what God did with Enoch. Now, this is obviously before the rapture. That's, that was a picture. It was an illustration of what's yet to come for the Bible-believing Christian. And the Lord is going to take away his saints. And Enoch never experienced it. It's a rare distinction. He didn't die. But God took him. Uh, he walked a life of faith, those 365 years, and I believe that made all the difference in his life. And a person that is used of God to uh, affect other lives will be a person of faith, personal faith in God. Now, no matter what happened in his life, he chose to live for God. And there are going to be times in all of our lives that there'll be, uh, there'll be road bumps, if you would. There'll be situations and heartaches and losses and there'll be sickness and there'll be a loss of job and uh, there'll be all kinds of heartache and hurt. But stay close to the Lord. Keep going for the Lord. Have faith in your God and God will use you in a great way. And Enoch had difficulties, no doubt, but he trusted and he obeyed his God. And, and God loved Enoch so much that he spared him from this experience of death. So he walked with God. He didn't die a physical death. And then he was said to be a prophet and a preacher here in Jude that we just read. Enoch did not keep silent about the sin that was about him. And what an illustration for us today. We need to speak up for God. I preached last week about standing up for God. We need to stand up for God and be counted. Uh, today, of course, that all that business about the uh, NFL and the football players kneeling and not standing and how that, that hurts, hurts a, a lot of different people. People that are military, obviously, the, uh, those that serve in the uh, law enforcement and such as that, and not honoring the flag, not honoring our country. And, and I don't care for it, to be honest with you. And I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or of approval or disapproval, but what, what I'm trying to say here today is that uh, we need some people that are going to stand up for what they believe in. And I, I, I respect God's people that will stand up for righteousness, not foolishness, righteousness. And stand up for God. And that's what we need today. Amen. Now, Enoch was a man that lived that way. He pleased and honored God. And he made a great impact on those around him, especially those of his family. And that's so important. I had mentioned in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9 that Enoch had a grandson and his grandson's name was Noah. 
And he had a faithful grandpa in his life. I don't know how many of you, how many of you had a faithful grandpa or grandma in your life? Raise your hand. They knew the Lord and they were faithful. Praise God. And you see, the Bible said that he walked faithfully with God all those years. And it caused Noah to be a righteous man. And you know what? He, God took Enoch away because of his walk with God. He was not, for God took him. But you know, Noah was spared in the great flood. And see, it had all to do, I believe, with the testimony of that grandpa. That man of God that stood for God at a time which God needed testimony and witnesses. Uh, he experienced martyrdom. Now, he didn't die here on earth during the regular span of life. But according to Revelation chapter 11, we read it this morning in our uh, young couple Sunday school class. During the tribulation period. During the time of great tribulation that is yet to come, it will come. It's a seven-year uh, period of, of, of great tribulation upon the earth where God's trying to reach Israel and bring them to their Messiah. God brings in all these judgments. And he brings these judgments not to be mean, not to hurt people. He brings them to get man's attention and draw them to God. He brings these woe judgments in the word of God to get Israel to recognize that Jesus loves them. He died for them. He's their savior. And they were rejecting him and not acknowledging him. It reminds me of this life today. A lot of people in this world don't acknowledge God at all. They question his very existence. Uh, when you speak to them about their soul, they say, well, how can I love and serve a God that allows babies to be born with difficulties? How can I serve a God that allows, uh, you know, tsunamis and, and allows uh, uh, somebody to take a gun and take 58 lives out and f hit, uh, hurt 500 people? They want to blame God for that. It's the nature of man that causes that. It's sin that causes that, not God. But see, man is so, I'm against God, that they don't open up their heart. They don't say, you know, God, why is all this happening? Not to, why would God do this or why would God do that? But maybe ask the question, Lord, are you trying to speak to me? Right. I'll come back to that. But you see, there was a time of violence. And in the tribulation period where God's trying to get a hold of his people, the Jews, God in mercy, although they've rejected him and rejected him and rejected him. You know what God does? He sends them two witnesses. And those two witnesses are killed by the people during the tribulation period. And they lay in the street for three and a half days. Their bodies begin to stink. Their bodies begin to corrupt. And you know what God does? He resurrects them. And they're alive again. All these people that watched their death and their, their corruption for three and a half days, they, they stand up and they live. And then here's what the Lord says. He says to those two witnesses, come up. And he takes them away. A picture of the rapture. A picture of the catching away of his people. But the bigger picture is this. What is God doing? Although man is rejected and rejecting God, every time they turn around, God's still merciful. God's still making an offer. God's still saying, let us reason together. Come to me. Come to me. And I'll forgive you and I'll give you a new life. These people that came forward this morning, that line of the song that says, I was where I once was, and they remember where they were and where God has brought them. Listen, all of us are sinners. All of us are in need of a Savior. And we look back at our life, we realize where we were, lost without God. Our lives were a mess. But Jesus saved us. And we're not perfect. We're not everything we ought to be. But boy, we're not what we used to be, according to the... By the grace of God. And so here's an unusual man, Enoch. 
These two witnesses, the other was Elisha. Uh, Enoch was taken, God took him away. Elisha was that preacher that preached, and one day he, uh, a whirlwind came, and uh, a chariot, a whirlwind came and, and took him away. What did the young preacher, his assistant, say? I want some of that. I want double portion of that. And you see, these are the men that stood for God, and God will bring them back during the tribulation period, because they never died. One went away in the, in the fiery chariot, and the other went away because God plucked them out. He's going to bring them back, and they're going to be a witness to Israel. And you know what? That's the greatest revival yet to happen, where the Jews will come to their Savior. Amen. Looking forward to seeing that happen, because I'm in the rapture of the church, and I'll be gone, and then I'll be able to observe that, and you will too. But I'll tell you what, Enoch was a servant of God. He was a great man of God. He was bold. We need to be bold. He was truthful. Amen. He was faithful. I like this. He was obedient. What an example he is to us. This preacher that only had one sermon. Boy, but it was a good sermon. He's an interesting man. Second of all, he was a unique man. His message was unique. Uh, his message was about the second coming of Christ. The Lord coming with vengeance with his saints. It was a message of the seriousness of sin. You know, we live in a day where people don't take their sin serious. They just think, well, it's the way I want to live. I'll live that way. Wait a minute, you're forgetting about somebody. There's a God in heaven who watches all. He knows all. And he cares about all. And he sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus became sin for us on the cross of Calvary. To take our sin debt upon himself. You know, God the Father looks at that and he sees man reject that. You know, that, that angers him. That he would send forth his son and so many would say, no thank you, I don't need it. And man doesn't even consider his sinful nature. But, you know, Enoch, he was a unique man in the sense that he preached about it. He preached about sin. It's a message of judgment. Not because he was trying to be a, a judgmental preacher. He was trying to get people to see where they were before a holy God. That's what we need sometimes. People discount that. They see this happen and that happen in the world and they want to blame God. But God's trying to get man to see the result of his sin. And what it brings upon so many lives. And that the sin needs to be dealt with. And the only way for man to deal with his sin is to get it under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His Calvary's work for you and I. Here is a man that had a sermon. And I like this about him. If you only have one preacher... Uh, preacher only had one sermon. I like this about his sermon. He practiced what he preached. Now a lot of people look at that. They look at Christian. The Christian says one thing and they live another way. And so the lost or the, the carnal will say, uh, yeah, I knew he wasn't right. I knew she wasn't right. What about this in your life? What, what about this, what you said here and what you did there? You know, folks, we're just not perfect. Only one perfect, that's the Lord. But they use that as an excuse not to believe themselves. They might even voice it that way. I don't need what you got. I know how you live. I know what you're like. They're trying to fend off the gospel. Trying to fend off the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But here was a preacher. Imagine this. Here was a preacher that practiced what he preached. Now there's been a lot of preachers that haven't. And that has hurt a lot of people. It's a shame that a lot of preachers have fallen into uh, 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 multiple uh, sins and have hurt the cause of Christ and that's a shame but you know what you're looking at the wrong person men will fail you every time you look to the Lord he'll never fail you amen but at this point here's a preacher that practiced what he preached praise God for that kind of a man 
And so he had a message that everybody didn't discount for continually. They did, but uh, it came to a point where they said, you know what? We're going to have to listen to this guy. He's only got one sermon, but it's a good one. And he practices what he preaches. So I'm going to give you a little bit about that message today and we'll be done. Okay? First of all, Enoch's message was timely. God was getting ready to send judgment upon the land. God is long-suffering and God is merciful, but he was sending a judgment. And you know what God does? He always, listen now, he always warns before he sends judgment. That's what kind of God he is. He doesn't sneak up on you. He said, now here's what's going to happen. You need to get right. You need to repent. You need to come to me or, or I'm going to send judgment. He always warns. He always gives man an opportunity. And Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, I alluded to this, but he says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now God's saying to all of us, hey, hey, you're sinners. I'm the Savior. Let's be reasonable here. I paid for your sin debt. I shed my blood. I'll help you live the Christian life. Just come to me. A lot of people say, well, I'll just change my ways. It'll never work. I'll do better. Do better isn't it. The Bible says not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to be able to go before God someday and say, I deserve to be in heaven. I deserve to be forgiven. No, we all deserve to go the other way. But God in grace says, let's, let's be reasonable. Let's talk about this. God is always reasonable. And he always warns. He gives ample time and space to repent. There have been times I've tried to witness to people that I love and care about through the, throughout the years, and they reject, and they reject, and they argue, and they debate, and they, what about this, and what about that, and they'd get mad at me, and cuss me out, and, and ostracize me, and wouldn't have anything to do with me, only because I love them so much, I didn't want them to end up in eternity without Christ. But they took it personal, like an attack. But that's not what it is. It's like God saying, look, you're a sinner. You need to be saved. And I love you so much, I gave my son on the cross of Calvary to shed his blood to wash away your sin. Don't push me away. Don't reject me. Embrace me. And I had some of those people say hurtful things. You know what you got to do, Christian, when that happens? Still love them. Still live for God. Still invite him to the Savior. Because when you do that, you're most like your God. Because as Israel kept rejecting God, you know what God kept doing? He kept coming back. He kept coming back. And he sent these two witnesses. I taught in Sunday school with the young couple. Say, God even sent 144,000 witnesses during the tribulation period with a message of repentance to Israel that they might come to the Lord. God didn't say, okay, I'm done with you. He kept, he kept coming to them. Let's be reasonable. Understand how much I love you. Although you reject me, although you shake your fist at me, although you want nothing to do with me or the church, I still love you. That's the message of God. So I challenged our young people this morning. Listen, there are people in your life and mine that need for you to continue loving them and witnessing to them and trying to bring them to Christ. I want to be like my God. I want, to, I want to give people second and third and fourth chances. I don't care what they say or do. And God is that way. Enoch's message was timely. Boy, do we need that message today. And again, God always warns, and I'll just reference this. I won't go to him. 
God always warns before he sends judgment. Remember before the fall of man in Genesis chapter 2, God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, Now, you can have everything, everything in this garden except for this one thing, this tree. And isn't it the nature of man? You can, ha- you, you, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. We go after what we're not supposed to have. That's our nature. I mean, I've been on more diets. I should not even be here. You'll get that in a minute. I keep gaining it all back. But you know... I, God has given me so many chances and, and I try real hard and then I, and I fail. I try real hard and I fail. That's just an illustration of us. We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. We try to do our best, but what, what does this body do? Calls out. I mean, that, that ho-ho or that twinkie calls out to us. Man, it's hard. The other night, I hadn't seen, I had, listen, I hadn't seen a, a King Don or a Ho-Ho or whatever those. was. I haven't seen those since I was a kid. My mom put them in my lunch. But at the men's meeting the other night, out at the woods, they had them on a table. And listen, I didn't have one. But man, they spoke to me the whole night. <laughs> That's the nature of man. We want what we know we're not supposed to have. And it'd be, you can have everything else, but you can't have that. And that's what happened. God said, don't do this or I'm going to do this. And what did man do? He went after sin. But God warned him before the fall, before the flood. And we read about that in Genesis chapter 7 in Noah's day. God warned all those people and they get in the ark, get in the ark. And they didn't. They rejected, but God warned. Sodom and Gomorrah, God warned. Fire and brimstones are coming. Genesis chapter 19. What did mankind do? They didn't listen. Before the judgment of Pharaoh in Egypt, God told him. Remember, Israelites were in that 400 years of bondage. And God warned and God warned. And so they sent, sent him into that wilderness. But you know what? He warned Pharaoh. He kept going to Pharaoh and dealing with him. A picture of Satan. And he said to Pharaoh, listen. He was trying to be reasonable with him. But every time God sent a plague, 10 plagues, that guy got hard-hearted. And God got hard-hearted. He hardened his heart toward God. And the last thing says, and, and God hardened his heart. Finally, God said, that's it. There's a line. God is very long-suffering, but there's a coming a day where God says, that's it. I've warned and warned and warned. The fall of Jericho, Rahab, and how he saved her household, how she helped all those spies in the land. In Joshua chapter 6, you know what God did? He gave her a promise. Because you've helped my men, here's what I'm going to do for you. And Rahab and her whole house was saved while everybody else was uh, destroyed and and the walls come falling down there in Jericho. But God warned, God warned, he always warns before judgment. Before the great tribulation period, the same thing will happen, folks. God is warning mankind today, come to me, come to me, believe on my son, repent of your sins, receive Jesus as your Savior. Warning, 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 and man said, nope, I'm not having it. I don't know, maybe you're here today and God has warned you and spoke to you and sent you witnesses and you say, no, no, no. There'll come a day if you don't get saved that you will wish throughout eternity that you would have not been so proud and you've not rejected God but received God into your heart and life. I'm so glad we have a long-suffering God. He was long-suffering in my life and yours. Merciful and gracious and loving. But there's a limit. 
The Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 9, He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. One of these days, God has to judge sin. He has to. He's sovereign God. He's holy God. He can't let this one go and that one go. He can't let one sinner get a break. Because that, what would that say to all the others that didn't get a break? God is holy and is righteous. And he says, this is the way, walk ye in it. But he's willing to wait and speak and help and forgive. But here's the heart of mankind. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Let's open our hearts to God. Amen. Amen. What a message this man preached. Enoch's message was a good one for the time he lived. Not just good in time, but the time he lived. It was a day of wickedness. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Listen to this part. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What a bad day to live back then. But it hasn't gotten any better. It's gotten worse. We read in Jude 14, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied these things. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. What's he coming for? To execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that the ungodly among them are ungodly deeds, ungodly committed, ungodly sin. See, that's God's opinion. Man says, I don't care what God thinks. We ought to. You're going to stand before him someday. Hey, get this. Listen, anybody, young people, listen. One day, ma'am, sir, young person, you're going to stand before a holy God. It's not a maybe. It's a done deal, according to the word of God. You will stand and give an account of yourself to God. And you won't be able to say to God, well, this and well, that. No, you'll be silent before a holy God. Oh, God wants to reach out and save you. God wants to work in your life if you'll let him. You think about how evil it was in that day. What do you think God thinks about this day? Enoch lived just before the flood because man's wickedness was so bad, God was sending judgment. And what did everybody do in that day that, that uh, Noah, excuse me, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible said. What did they do? They mocked, they belittled, they laughed, they jeered. The worst thing they did, they didn't pay attention. The worst thing out of all that was that they, they didn't give him any mind. And that's kind of the worst thing today about, in the Christian life, I guess as a witness for Christ, is that it's not people spitting, I've had people spit in my face, I've had people cuss me out, I've had them slam doors in my face, I've had them threaten me. Those are all terrible things. Not everybody acts that way, but on occasion things like that happen. But the worst thing, the worst thing is to bear your soul out to somebody about their soul and them not even give you the time of day. Not even recognize that you care about them. That is the worst thing. And yes, in my flesh, it stirred up within me. As I was getting cussed at and told off, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to come right back at him and tell him what I thought. That was my flesh. But then the Spirit of God said, whoa, boy. I love them. Take it easy. Take it easy. Amen. Why? Because God loves them. You got people in your life, they, they, maybe they're saved, but they're not right with God. And you know, we, here's what happens to us. We get angry with them. We get frustrated with them. We want to slap them, you know. Amen. You say, I never. Oh, you thought about it. You thought about it. But that's not the right response, of course. And God speaks to your heart. But God wants to say, look, I love them. 
I want you to love them like I love them. Amen. Keep, keep loving them. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2, 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. That world at the time before the flood was so ungodly, but God gave them an, God gave them an ark. God gave them a way out. But they refused. So Enoch's message was timely for his day. It was great wickedness. Imagination of the heart was only evil, continual. God was grieved with them. Chapter 6, verse 6. The time of corruption and violence. I mean, violent. Chapter 6, verse 11. Here's one that's interesting. It says in Genesis 6, 2 that they were eating and drinking. The idea of revelry. But here's the word. This is the word to get me. Marrying and giving in marriage. What does that mean? Marrying and giving in marriage. Well, obviously they were marrying, but they were giving in marriage. They were having marriages that God didn't recognize. Giving people to marriage, and it really wasn't marriage. Like people acting like they're married when they're not, and maybe living together. You see, today that's just common. Today that's just normal. Today that's just average. And if you don't do that, you're a nutcase. Well, that's what was going on before the flood. And God said, wait a minute. The marriage is... is, is is sanctity. The marriage is holy. God's for marriage, but not the marriage of the day. Men living with men, women living with women as if they're married. Men having relationship with women that they're not married to, women doing the same. Fornication, the Bible says, uh, says marriage is honorable, God says, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, listen, God will judge. That God's saying that. But back before the flood, men were doing whatever they wanted to do, and they didn't care. God cared. You know what? God still cares today. They were marrying and giving in marriage. That sexual activity outside of marriage. Hey, listen, young people, listen. It's not preached much today, but fornication's wrong. Adultery is wrong. Always has been. Always will be in the mind of God and in his word. But today it's just, well, it's, it's natural. It's what people do. It's... See, that's marrying and giving in marriage. God recognizes right marriages. Enoch preached it. Noah preached it. Unlawful marriages, unclean sexual activity, inappropriate and lustful hearts, brutish and beastly, listen, ungodly and impure. That was the day it was. And it hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. People today... Again, unmarried but living as they're married. Unlawful, same-sex marriages. Listen, it's not in the Bible. And although everybody says it's okay, it's not okay. It's not. It's sin according to God. Unholy unions. And some of these, beastiology, relationships with beasts. Child marriage. You know, we live in a society today, our, our Western Western thought, it wants to protect children, usually, except for the abortion thing that is the highest wickedness on the face of the earth. It needs to be preached against and boldly. I don't care what the law says, it's wrong. It's murder, it's sin. So if you bring that up and somebody's had one, then you make hurt their feelings. No, I'm giving them an opportunity. They might get right with God and get forgiveness and move on in their life. But we're all sinners, we've all done wrong. Amen. But we pick on adultery and we pick on uh, 
alcoholism and fornication and all that, but we never bring up abortion. That's, that's, there's more deaths in abortion than there have been in all our wars. Do you realize that? And again, the other day that happened on Sunday night, 58 people's lives, that's horrible, that's horrible. But folks, 2,500 abortions daily, and we don't even think about it. Now, if we went out here and killed all the infants that were born in Livonia in the last week, boy, our, 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 our government, our people would stand up and rage. But yet the unborn are murdered every day. I'm saying that's unholy, that's ungodly. And I get to this point with that, is child marriages, we'd be against that. But in other countries, it's, it's natural, it's normal. And America's heading there. That's right, pedophilia. All, that, all that's happening. It's coming here, and everybody says, well, what happens between two peoples, between themselves? And if they're consenting, it's okay. Consenting adults, well, what if it's consenting with a child? It's coming, it's coming. This needs to be preached against. It needs to be shouted from the housetop. Amen. And all that other business of man and man and women and women. Who would have thought? Your grandparents, they would have never dreamed what's happening in our world today. And we don't say anything. But God hasn't quit saying. And Enoch was a bold preacher that spoke about it. He said, it's sin and I'm going to tell you about it. You know, when he did, he wasn't liked. Does that sound familiar? Sure. Enoch walked with God, and God took him. One hope for us, if you're going to stand up for God, one of these days he's going to stand up for you. And he's going to take you out of here. Thank God. Enoch's message was delivered at just the right time. Again, it was prior to judgment. A warning for those that were living at that time. The Bible says, Hebrews 9.27, listen, It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Did you hear that? After this the judgment. And this is a message, Enoch's message was a message of judgment. He only had one, but it was a good message. It wasn't an easy message, but it needed to be preached. It was timely, and he preached it. And it had a good result. Do you know it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment? That hasn't changed, and it still won't change. One of these days, whether you're in Christ or not, if you're saved or not, we'll stand before God. And there'll be a judgment. The lost, you'll be judged before God for your sin, not being covered in the blood of Christ. He'll say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And that'll be a forever state. My goodness. But listen, Christian, we're also going to face a judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ for the works we did or we didn't do for Christ. And then we're going to say, boy, I wish I'd have stood I wish I'd have done. I wish I'd have served. I wish I'd have sang. I wish I'd have witnessed. I wish I'd have lived more godly. That day's coming for us that know the Lord. No, we won't be judged for our sin. That's taken care of. But for our service for the Lord. But there is a day of reckoning coming for all of us. And I saw the dead, small and great, important and non-important, stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. God's got a book. Years ago, people would read this, all oh, that. Listen, we think about today with cell phones and, and media and all this stuff. God has it all written down, folks. You, you, you know, something that's not appropriate on a computer or uh, in someone's life. Right, right, right now, that, that man that, I won't even mention his name, but he took all those lives this last Sunday night. They're going back into his history. They're learning everything about him that can be learned. Believe me. And if man can do that, what do you think God can do? 
He knows every idle word. He knows every idle thought. He knows everything you've ever done or will do. And we think somehow we're going to get out of that. No, no, no. God has the records. He's got the books. And then we'll stand there and say, well, I, I'll tell this. No, you won't. The Bible says all stand before him silent. Because what do you say? Like sometimes when you've appeared before a judge, perhaps, you stand there. What do you say? Guilty. <laughs> what else can you say? It's right there. Unless you're O.J. Simpson, you're, you're not going to get away with it. America is being judged right now. You know that. But man doesn't recognize that. Uh, Enoch's message is still a good one for our time. Matthew 24, 21, it says, Then shall be great tribulation. Now listen, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, never, nor ever shall be. Listen, please listen to the preacher today. There is coming a time of great tribulation. It's just around the corner. It's going to be the worst it's ever been on the face of the earth. We read about tsunamis and earthquakes and hurricanes and great storms and we floods and everything's taken away over there in Texas and, 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 and over there in the islands. All that devastation that we've see recently seen. Violence, like this man taking all these lives, wounding all these people. You think it's bad? It's going to be worse than it's ever been all over the earth. Then what will we do? Well, I'm glad I know God. But what does man do to this very day? No. No, God. I will not repent. I will not get saved. I will not do right. Judgment's coming. You know, this, this great tribulation has some names to it in the Bible. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. The reason why it's named that is because God's going to deal with Jacob the Jewish people, the descendants of Jacob. He's going to be dealing with them. It's called the time of tribulation, but it's also called the time of great tribulation. At the middle of the seven, and a half year, seven years of tribulation, at the three and a half year point, it's going to get so bad, so bad, so bad. And there'll be people living. They'll try to buy groceries, but they can't. They'll try to buy gas, but they can't. They try to get health care, but they can't. If they don't have the mark of the beast, they don't have the, they don't have the stamp saying, okay, we'll take care of you. You say, all oh, that will never happen. It's already happening. Man, they've had chips in, in people for years. Oh, people will take it too. If you're hungry enough, you'll take it. If you're hurting enough, you, you want help, you'll take it. I'm talking about lost people. Well, I'll never take that, Mark. I know it's in the Bible, that 666. I don't want nothing to do with it. Oh, if you're lost, you'll have something to do with it. Because you cannot survive without it. And here's how people get saved in the tribulation. Listen, hear me out. This is a preacher preaching. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm telling you the truth. God's truth. There's coming a day when all the saints are gone and you're left. And here's what the Bible says. You'll say, where'd they all go? Where'd my wife go? Where'd my husband go? Where'd my kids go? Where'd my grandfather go? Where'd my grandmother go? What happened to them? And they've told you to get saved. They told you about the tribulation. But you haven't listened. You haven't been saved. You haven't trusted Christ. And you'll say, well, you'll, I'll believe then. No, you won't. The Bible says you'll believe a lie. Somebody will come on the scene and have all the answers. And they'll believe a lie and they'll say, okay, by the way, you have to take this mark. And everybody will say, okay. Because you want to eat, right? And you want help, right? You, you want to put gas in that car, right? 
Oh yeah, we will. That are lost. I mean, not we. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad. The Bible says I'm not appointed to wrath. I'm not going to be there. I'm out of here. But there's a time of wickedness and violence and sacrilege. There always has been. But God's always warned. He's always warned. He's given signs. God said in these days, these days of tribulation that will come, there will be earthquakes and hurricanes and cosmic eruptions and worldwide catastrophes. Are we not there? Haven't we been there for a long time? But it's getting worse, folks. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. What is this message Enoch preached? Coming judgment. Coming judgment. That's what he preached. And it wasn't well received. But among God's people, listen, there has to be a sense of urgency today. I've been teaching in the young couples class, and the big thing I've been putting across here by mentioning all this, it's not a great subject to talk about hell. It's not a great subject to talk about judgment. It's not a great thing to talk about. But why is it done? God is reaching out. And here's what the church needs, and we're lacking, a burden again. We have lost our burden. We have lost our tears. We have lost the urgency of the hour. Because, here's why, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want them upset with us. We don't want to ruin our time together. Uh, We've talked about this so much, and they don't want to talk to me anymore about these things. But listen, if it's real, which it is, they're going to end up eternity without God. So how can you not speak? How can you not say something? In church, how can you not pray and fast? And weep like we used to. Amen? Here's the truth and I'm going to be done soon. Last Sunday night in Vegas. Terrible. 58 people. 500 plus injured. And we don't think about it. We think injured. Some of them are, they're they're never going to be the same the rest of their lives. But here's the truth about man. It's bad now. It's going to be bad for a little while. But you know what? In time, you'll turn around. Vegas will be back in business. It'll be like it never happened. That's right. Hmm. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That'll all be true again. And man won't regard God. Right now, people are thinking. Right now, people are, wow, what a terrible thing. We need to, do, we need to get rid of the guns. We need to do more for mental health. And all these things they're wanting to discuss. That's not the real reason here. You know, it would be great if mankind said, hmm, maybe we ought to think about why God's allowing this. For man to wake up and say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. Amen. When great, terrible things happen, it ought to be mankind saying, wait a minute, God, what are you trying to say to me? Not God, you allowed this. God, you did this. This is why we have trouble. Get rid of this and get rid of that. No, because man will be his nature self. He'll find some other way to kill people. Because that's what's in man. And man will go back to do what he's always done. And that's sin. Instead of repent. You know, at 9-11, I remember that. I also remember opening up the church here. And having people come in these doors weeping. I remember. I didn't plan on having services. I had people calling me, asking me, are you having services? And I said to myself, boy, we better do something about this. 
And I opened the church doors and we had, uh, had services and I gave the gospel. There were people from Ford Motor Company over here coming over here during the day and at, looking for answers. And about three or four days that went on. People were sensitive and they were, their hearts were open. They were saying, boy, we need, I need to get right with God. I need to get saved. I need to get born of God. I need God. At 9-11, three or four days later, nobody came anymore. And you know, since then, America's gotten better. No. They're harder than they've ever been. And then these things happen in our world. These tragedies happen in our world. And man's looking for a solution rather than the right one, which is go to God. Get to God. Oh, I wish there was a national heart for God. But there will be one day. But for some, it'll be too late. Our hope is in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You that are saved, you're so safe it's pitiful. God's going to protect you from that tribulation period. But in this life, he, not, he might not protect you from that. He allows things for his will to be done. And sometimes it's hard. But you know what? Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. Faithful, true. He didn't care what people thought about him. I want to be that man. I want to be that man of God. Don't you? Sure you do. Don't you want to be the Christian that God can count on? The Bible said God took him. Why? Because he was faithful and obedient. And he loved God and he, most he knew God. Enoch was a great man. We can say all the great things about him. But you know, Enoch was still a sinner. And he didn't go to heaven because he was good. He went to heaven because God was good to him. And that's what we need to understand today. You're, you can go to heaven because you recognize God and you will repent of your sins and you receive his son as your savior. That's the program. And I'm not trying to be coy or cute, but you need to get with the program if you're not. Because Judgment Day is a coming. The secret of Enoch's success is that he walked with God. He knew God. Friend, do you know God? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Well, I know about him. I know about Christmas and I know about Easter. But do you know him? Have you invited him? And we started this service, not intentionally. We started this service by a song. Saying, well, when were you saved? When were you saved? 83, 2004, 1950, 1948, 1953. These are people that came to know God as their Savior. Do you know God as your Savior? Here's the last one I'll ask you, and I'm done. I got paid. I'm done. I'm done. Do you know that you know that you know that you know God? And how you'll know that is when you have that time where you open your heart to God and you invite him in, you'll never get over that. Somebody said, somebody as big as God moves in your heart, you know it. I don't know if I've ever been said, I don't know, I, maybe I was. I don't know about that. Because when he came in my heart and life, I knew about it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. I changed. I wasn't, it wasn't me, it was God working in my life. If you get saved, you can't help but change. Because God's working in your heart and life. Yeah. Have you had a change? Have you had a time where you received Christ? Do you know that you know that you know? Or, 
Are you on your way to eternity without God? Is the tribulation period something that you might enter into? So I don't know about all that stuff. It's right in that book right here. Right there. So you need to get in. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed. Enoch had one message. His message of judgment. Just one message. It's a good one. Have you done business with God? Have you been born again? So it's not that. It's very important. It's the most important thing that could ever happen. Why don't you come and believe on him as your savior this morning? Before this life is over, before God's judgment comes. And if you're a Christian, so preacher, I'm saved. Well, then you need to get that burden back for your loved ones and your neighbors and your speak up as as Enoch did in his day, Noah did in his day, and all the other saints. Father, thank you for this opportunity to preach this message. Not an easy one. It's not a popular one. But it's a, it's a good one, Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ that can save any one soul if they will come and repent and believe. And I pray there's some here today that have not been born again that today they'll come and receive Jesus. Lord, some probably need to come for baptism. Some need to come for rededication. Uh, some need to come for membership. Some need to come for Christian service. Whatever, Lord, you lay it on the heart of your people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. What number, Tom? 57. Page 57, we'll sing and we'll be done. Page 57, well, we will extend an invitation. If you've got questions, come on, we'll, we'll help you. We'll take this Bible and we'll show you how to be, become a believer. We'll show you how to get assurance. Whatever your heart might be, we'll take the Word of God and try to share it with you today.